Welcome back to The Emily Show. Today, we are talking about a case I have not yet covered, but there is new information and new things happening in it. Do you remember the disappearance of Natalie Holloway? I know many of you do. She was in high school. She was in Aruba. She disappeared, was never found, was declared dead in 2012. The number one suspect, Jorn Vandersloot, was arrested, released, and interviewed and released, and is now being extradited to the United States for extorting Natalie Holloway's mother. Yes, you heard me correctly. He's currently in prison in Peru for another murder, and we're going to talk about that too. But there's a lot going on before this extradition happens on Thursday, June 8th. And I want you to have the background because you're going to start seeing this in the news that he has been extradited, and you're going to go, extradited for murder? No, not quite. And we're going to talk about that. So let's hop in to this week's episode of The Emily Show. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm Emily D. Baker, the internet's go-to legal analyst and big fan of the cursey words. I've been a licensed attorney for over 17 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I break down the legal side of pop culture and entertainment stories we can't stop talking about. We should just get into it. Let's go. Well, before we get all the way into it, I need to let you know that there is an addendum to today's podcast, again, because there was breaking news as I was streaming after the podcast was recorded. So you have to stay all the way to the end for all of the updates, because that's where you're going to find the latest. All right. Let's get back to a word from our sponsor. Thank you to our sponsor, Green Chef, not only for keeping me eating healthy dinners during the summer, but also for offering all of the Emily Show listeners 60% off and free shipping. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company and makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking for more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. And it comes with everything you need to put together dinners in about 30 minutes. Easy to follow instructions, fresh ingredients, delicious proteins, and meals that I would never create for myself. I'm just not that creative. And they're meals the entire family enjoys. If you're ready to try Green Chef for yourself, you need to take me up on this deal. Go to greenchef.com slash emilybaker60 and use code emilybaker60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash emilybaker60 and find out for yourself why Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. Let's get back to today's episode. I'm going to do a little bit of background on what's going on with Jorn Vandersloot. I'm not going to do a ton of background with the Natalie Holloway case. It is a case from her disappearance on May 30th, 2005. She was declared dead on January 12th, 2012. Her family flew to Aruba after she went missing. Jorn Vandersloot remained the number one suspect. His stories kept changing. There was a lot that went on with this case, and it was one of those disappearances that gripped worldwide media in 2005. And so many of you probably remember watching the news, seeing that he was arrested and then released. It was a very frustrating case and still is a frustrating case. Since then, Jorn Vandersloot pled guilty in 2012 of the 2010 murder of Stephanie Flores, who was a 21-year-old college student that was murdered in his hotel room on May 30th, 2010, five years to the day that Natalie Holloway went missing and it's presumed that she was killed on May 30th, 2005. He confessed to the murder four days after his arrest in Peru. He said that he left her in his hotel room and when he returned, she was on his computer and saw information in his laptop that linked him to the Holloway disappearance and flew into a rage and killed her. What's interesting is we start to go through this indictment for extortion and wire fraud. We're going to talk more about 2010 because Jorn Vandersloot was 
being investigated at that time in 2010 when he was still in Aruba for the Holloway disappearance and then flew to Peru when he said he was going to be turning himself in in Aruba. And all of that we are going to cover in the indictment that came down ages ago, but is just coming back into the news because of the extradition. So on June 5th, which is the day I'm reporting this podcast, the president approves National Penitentiary Institute said, quote, it has already been agreed that the U.S. authority will come on the 8th and take him. That's June 8th, Thursday. Quote, everything is ready for him to be handed over. We have him safe, which is what the U.S. authority requested, that he would be in good health. Quote, that is how we will keep him until the 8th. We guarantee that. And Vandersloot's attorney in Peru spoke to the media saying that he received a letter from Joran stating, I want to go to the U.S. This indictment has been outstanding for over 10 years. It's been reported, but I haven't seen as many reports on this. It's been reported that he has recently um, been attacked in prison in Peru. And I wonder if that is why he wants to come to the United States on this extradition at, you know, on Thursday. With extradition, it is an agreement with Peru. He is serving over 28 years in Peru. But with extradition, Peru agrees to allow him to come to the United States to be tried for the crimes that are pending here, but then he has to be returned. So I imagine that what we will see from Joran Vandersloot is he will want to go to trial. He will probably waive time to stay in custody here. I imagine he will think that it is better than being in custody in Peru. And then he is allowed to stay in the United States until the end of his appellate process. So I expect we will see a long appellate process. Will he come to the United States and give more information about Natalie Holloway's disappearance, her death, her presumed murder? I don't know. Has he been in custody in Peru long enough that he will do anything to try to get to a different prison system and stay there? It's possible. It's absolutely possible. So today, I am going to go over with you something I have never seen covered, which is a motion to dismiss the indictment that's pro-per, sort of. We'll get to that. We're going to cover the indictment, and we are going to talk about the affidavit in support of the criminal complaint before there was a grand jury indictment. So we're going to go over the legal history of this case. Most of these things happened in 2010 and 2014. and then. We are going to wait to see what happens when he is extradited to the United States, to Arkansas, on Thursday. And this is a case I will be covering, A, because we are, well, I am very interested. I had no idea this indictment had come down in 2010 after the news in uh, 2005 and after the search for Natalie Holloway. I remember hearing that the courts had declared her legally dead but I didn't remember any of this. And I, when I heard that he was being extradited, I was like, wait, for what? And then I started looking into it and I went, you've got to be kidding me. And that's why we are going to continue covering this case because we have a sting operation, we have wire fraud, we have extortion, and we still have a very interesting and outstanding unsolved case. So with that, let's get into the complaints first, and then we will get to the motion to dismiss. All right, let's start looking at some documents. So first, we are going to take a look at the unsealed criminal complaint from June 3rd, 2010, and then we're going to look at the affidavit. This is coming out of the Northern District of Alabama. I think I said Arkansas. I also record this with our members who were like, Emily, you said Arkansas, not Alabama. And I was like, oh yeah, I did. I meant Alabama. Um, if you haven't seen my Instagram stories from my trip to Charleston, you will understand that if it has the same first letter, I am want to uh, conflagate it with somewhere else. And that is how I ended up flying into Charlotte and not Charleston. But that's a story. Well 
for Instagram. Let's let's just continue with the criminal complaint. This is again from June 3rd, 2010. Count one, that on or about May 10th, 2010, the defendant, Jorn Vandersloot, did obstruct, delay, and affect commerce and the movement of any article or commodity in commerce by extortion or attempts to do so. In that, the defendant did knowingly and willfully cause another person to wire transfer a partial payment of money, $15,000, from a financial institution in Birmingham, Alabama, to a financial institution in the Netherlands, after representing to the other person that he would provide the location of Natalie Holloway's remains in Aruba and information regarding the circumstances of her death upon the receipt of $250,000 from the other person. The other person, by the way, is Natalie Holloway's mother via lawyer. This is from May 10th, 2010. You remember the case in Peru that we just talked about? That case in Peru is from May 30th, 2010. After this happened, he left Aruba saying he was going to turn himself in and went to Peru. Count two, that on or about May 10th, the defendant, Jorn Vandersloot, having devised or intending to devise any scheme and artifice to defraud or for obtaining money or property by means of false and fraudulent pretenses. And then it goes on with the language of wire fraud, saying that he caused a wire transfer in the amount of $15,000 from Birmingham, Alabama, to the Netherlands for the purpose of executing or attempting to execute such a scheme. The scheme, again, being the extortion. So that is the signed complaint. We're going to take a look at the affidavit with more details in support of the complaint. It's a seven-page affidavit. And then we will go to the indictment that followed by grand jury um, because they did not have Jorn Vandersloot to bring the preliminary hearing. So they went via a grand jury and were able to indict him. And then that indictment was outstanding until they were were able to extradite him, which is happening, well, June 8th, 2023. A long, a long time for this family. So we are looking at the affidavit filed June 10th, 2010, in support of the criminal complaint from William K. Bryan. I am a special agent with the FBI. I've been so employed for 20 years at the time. I'm assigned to the FBI office in Birmingham, Alabama. This affidavit is made in support of the criminal complaint against Jorn Vandersloot, a citizen of the Netherlands who resides from time to time on the island of Aruba and is based on information provided to me by other law enforcement officials, including but not limited to FBI special agents, Aruban police officers, witness interviews conducted by law enforcement, and affiant's personal knowledge of international electronics communications and have recently occurred between Vandersloot and a representative of Beth Holloway. Uh, Twitty? is her last name. I'm going to continue to refer to her as Beth Holloway. The indictment refers to her by the last name Twitty. It says that the representative of Ms. Holloway is cooperating, is a cooperating witness in this case. Based on the information contained herein, Affian respectfully submits this probable cause to believe that Vandersloot has committed a federal offense of extortion in violation of 18 U.S.C. 1951a. Background. On May 30th, 2005, Natalie Holloway failed to return to Birmingham from a high school graduation trip to Aruba. Natalie was scheduled to fly home on May 30th, 2005, but failed to appear for her flight. She was last seen by her classmates leaving Carlos and Charlie's, a Caribbean chain restaurant and nightclub in Orenstad, Aruba, sitting inside a vehicle with Vandersloot and two acquaintances, brothers Deepak and Satish. When Natalie failed to return home, her mother, along with her stepfather, George, and other friends immediately traveled to Aruba in an effort to ascertain her whereabouts. Within hours of landing in Aruba, the family provided Arubian police with Vandersloot's name and address, identifying him as a person with whom Natalie had left the nightclub on the previous evening. The family asked her friends questions and flew to Aruba and said, this is who she was last with. Can you go question them? On June 2nd, Vandersloot told authorities that he and Holloway had driven to the California Lighthouse area of um, Arashi Beach because Holloway wanted to see sharks. He said that he dropped Holloway off at her hotel the Holiday Inn around 2 a.m. Vandersloot has since made several contradictory statements about what happened to Holloway and his involvement. 
In the years following Natalie's disappearance, extensive searches have been conducted on the island of Aruba and in the surrounding waters with no success. Over time, monetary rewards of up to a million dollars have been offered for Natalie's safe return. In addition, rewards of up to 250000 have been offered for information leading to the return of her remains. Scheme. On or about March 29th, 2010, Vandersuit contacted the cooperating witness via email using the email address, and that's redacted. The cooperating witness is uh, Natalie Holloway's mother's attorney. During a series of emails that followed, Vandersuit offered to take the cooperating witness to the location of Natalie Holloway's body, advise the cooperating witness as to the circumstances of her death, and identify those involved in her death and disappearance in return for a payment of $250,000 from her mother. That's not in the affidavit. That's me being angry. Vandersloot indicated to the cooperating witness that unless uh, Holloway's mother paid the money demanded, he would not tell where the remains of her daughter were hidden, nor provide any information regarding the circumstances of her death. During a subsequent series of emails, Vandersloot agreed to modify the terms of his offer. For an initial payment of $25,000, he would take the cooperating witness to the location of Natalie's body. Upon recovery of the body and confirmation that it was, in fact, the remains of Holloway, Vandersloot would be paid an additional $225,000 by Holloway's mother. Vandersloot later emailed his bank account information to the cooperating witness so that the money could be deposited into his bank account by wire transfer. The information sent by Vandersloot revealed that his location was located at the SNS Bank located in the Netherlands. While negotiating this deal via email, Vandersloot insisted that a written contract between him and Holloway's mother be prepared by the cooperating witness, the lawyer. He wants a contract for his extortion. The contract was to set out the terms of their agreement and be signed by both parties. The cooperating witness drew up the agreement and said it by fax from his office in New York to Holloway's mother in Birmingham, Alabama. She signed the agreement and faxed it back to the cooperating witness attorney. On April 15th, 2010, Holloway's mother executed a wire transfer of $100 from Regions Bank in Birmingham to Vandersloot's account in the Netherlands to confirm that the account was, in fact, a good account. Bank records later confirmed the wire transfer of the funds into Vandersloot's account. On May 10th, 2010, the cooperating witness attorney flew to Aruba to meet with Vandersloot. Before the cooperating witness departed the United States, Holloway's mother transferred the sum of $10,000 from her bank account in Birmingham to the cooperating witness's bank account in New York so that he could withdraw this amount in cash and carry it with him to his meeting with Vandersloot. Once at Aruba, the cooperating witness called Vandersloot who said he would come to the hotel where the cooperating witness was staying. After Vandersloot arrived, the cooperating witness presented him with the agreement signed by Holloway's mother. Vandersloot and the cooperating witness signed two copies of the agreement and took pictures of each other signing the agreement. Mm -hmm. The cooperating witness then gave $10,000 in cash to Vandersloot. This meeting was recorded. Uh-huh. Next, the cooperating witness called Holloway, who immediately wire transferred $15,000, the balance of the initial payment from her bank account in Regions Bank, Birmingham, Alabama, to Vandersloot's account in the Netherlands. Vandersloot confirmed to the cooperating witness that the wire transfer had occurred. Vandersloot also confirmed to the cooperating witness that he had used the, and then it's redacted, account. The cooperating witness and Vandersloot got into the cooperating witness's rental car and left the hotel. They drove to a house located at Redacted, once there, Vandersloot pointed at the residence and said that Natalie Holloway's body would be found in the foundation of the house. The cooperating witness wanted to be certain which house Vandersloot was identifying, so he took photographs of the house. Vandersloot then told the cooperating witness that Vandersloot's father had disposed of Natalie's body by burying her remains in the gravel under the foundation of the single-story house. Vandersloot went on to admit that he had been with Natalie the night of May 29th and 30th, that he had thrown her to the ground after she attempted to stop him from leaving her. He claimed that when she fell down, she hit her head on a rock and died as a result of the impact. Vandersloot told the cooperating witness that he hid Natalie's body and then returned home and told his father what happened. 
According to Vandersloot, his father accompanied him to the location where Vandersloot had secreted Natalie's body. Vandersloot returned to the car while his father further concealed the body. Vandersloot said that it was a few days later. His father buried Natalie's body under the house that Vandersloot had shown the cooperating witness. Vandersloot added that he had not actually seen his father inter the remains, but was told and shown by his father where the body was buried. Keep in mind that in 2010, Vandersloot's father had already passed. A review by Arubian law enforcement officials of a building permit for the residence indicated by Vandersloot revealed that there was no foundation or structure on that parcel of land at the time of Holloway's disappearance. The document indicates that a permit was requested on 5-23-2005. The permit was approved on 5-26-2005. That a site inspection was conducted on 6-15-2005 and that the permit was not issued until October 18, 2010. An interview with the contractor who built the house confirms that the house identified by Vandersloot was not under construction at the time of Holloway's disappearance. Further investigation discovered aerial photographs, which were taken on May 29, 2005 and June 5, 2005, that show no construction underway at the location, right? Because the entire island was being searched during that period of time. Well, not May 29th, but in uh, June 5th for Natalie Holloway. After leaving Aruba, the cooperating witness exchanged additional emails with Vandersloot. In a May 17, 2010 email, Vandersloot admitted to the cooperating witness that he lied about the location of Holloway's remains. Based on the foregoing, I have probable cause to believe that Jorn Vandersloot has committed extortion. When they say this call was recorded, it is my understanding, and we're going to go look at the, um, we're going to go look at the indictment as well, but it's my understanding that when Jorn Vandersloot started contacting Holloway's mother's attorney, that they immediately started working with the feds to set this up as a uh, sting operation and that everything was recorded. That's my understanding of what happened here. It's not that this lawyer went rogue. It's that I think the feds said, well, maybe if we can get him in custody, he'll talk. That's my understanding. Let's take a look at the grand jury indictment after a word from our sponsors. Warmer summertime weather can mean stinky trash cans, but not if you use Lomi. I am so happy that Lomi is sponsoring this episode. We have loved our Lomi at this house for well over eight months before they ever reached out to sponsor. And when they did, I was like, yes, we love the Lomi because it takes all of our food scraps and easily turns it into dirt for our yard and garden. Sometimes it might just be that you have summer travel coming up and don't want things going bad in the refrigerator. Sometimes it might just be that that fruit went off way too fast because it's summertime. It's nice knowing that the food we don't eat is being really easily repurposed. It makes me feel a little bit better when we have to throw food away because we don't. We put it in the loamy and we turn it into dirt. It's just food recycling. So whether you're ready to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash Lawnard and use the promo code Lawnard to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash Lawnard and use promo code Lawnard at checkout. Thank you so much, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode. Let's get back into it. In this indictment, we're going to hear, well, a lot of what we just heard in that affidavit. The affidavit was the basis for the criminal complaint. It's also going to be the basis for a lot of what was shown and told to a grand jury before the indictment comes down. But we're going to take a look at this indictment together for the same charges. Why? Because we need a thorough look at this case before he is extradited to the U.S. Because now you will have all of the background on the legal filings. At all times mentioned in this indictment, Jorn Andres Petrus Vandersloot, the defendant herein, was a citizen of the Netherlands who was re then residing in Aruba. Natalie Holloway, a resident of Mountain Brook, Alabama, was last seen alive on or about May 30th, 2005, while in the country of Aruba. Natalie Holloway was in the company of Jorn Vandersloot on or about May 30th, 2005, that being the day of her disappearance. The whereabouts of Natalie Holloway have been unknown to her friends family and law enforcement since on or about May 30th, 2005. 
Numerous individuals, including Elizabeth Ann Holloway, here and after Beth Holloway, Natalie Holloway's mother, have continued to expend time and resources to attempt to locate Natalie or her remains and to ascertain the circumstances of her disappearance and or demise. New York attorney John Q. Kelly served in the capacity of legal representative and intermediary for Beth Holloway. Jorn Vandersloot had an account at SNS Bank NV, here and after SNS Bank, a financial institution located in the Netherlands. Count one. The grand jury charges, well, extortion. That honor about the 29th of March 2010 and continuing until the 17th day of May 2010 in Jefferson County, within the Northern District of Alabama and everywhere, defendant did knowingly and willfully attempt to affect commerce and the movement of articles and commodities and commerce by extortion. It says that he tried to obtain property, tried and did obtain property belonging to and under the care, custody, control, management, and possession of Beth Holloway, that being the sum of $250,000, with the consent of Beth Holloway having been induced by the use of actual and threatened fear by the defendant, who would not disclose to Beth Holloway through her attorney the location of Natalie Holloway's remains and the circumstances of her death without having first received an initial payment of $25,000 and upon positive identification of the remains, a further payment of $250,000. Count two, that on or about the 10th of May, 2010, in Jefferson County, within the Northern District of Alabama and elsewhere, the defendant did knowingly, willfully cause to be transmitted by means of wire communications in interstate and foreign commerce um, money in the amount in furtherance of the scheme. And then they get into the scheme. And we're going to go through it again. The defendant's scheme and artifice to defend in substance was accomplished and attempted to be accomplished by the following means and in the following manner. It was a part of the scheme and artifice that the defendant would and did contact John Q. Kelly Esquire in his capacity as attorney for Beth Holloway to advise that he, defendant, knew the whereabouts of Natalie Holloway's remains in Maruba and demanded payment in the amount of $250,000 for that information. It was after discussing the terms of this demand with Mr. Kelly that the defendant would show Mr. Kelly the specific location of Holloway's remains and provide specific details concerning the manner of her death, how her remains were disposed of initially, and how her remains came to be in this specific location, if moved at any time, in exchange for an initial payment of $25,000, once identification of Holloway's remains had been confirmed, the defendant would receive an additional payment of $250,000, or sorry, $225,000. Within 30 days of confirmation, said money would be wired into the bank in the Netherlands. It was further a part of the scheme that the defendant would provide and did provide Kelly with the name of his bank and bank account number. After receiving the sum of $10,000 in cash from Mr. Kelly and assurances that Beth Holloway would immediately wire transfer an additional sum of $15,000 into his bank account, the defendant would and did accompany Kelly to a specific location in Aruba and did identify that location as the site where Holloway's remains were buried. This information, as the defendant then knew, was false. It was further part of the scheme that the defendant would and did cause Beth Holloway to wire transfer the sum of $15,000 from her bank account in Alabama to the defendant's SNS bank. It was further part of the scheme and artifice that the defendant thereafter retained possession of the $25,000 that had been provided to him by Beth Holloway and confirmed by email that the information he provided concerning Natalie Holloway was quote unquote worthless. They have the email. They have the email where he admits that he made up what they told her. Notice of forfeiture and then they give a notice of forfeiture. I don't know if they'll be able to forfeit anything, but any property he has up to the amount of $25,100, they will try to track and forfeit. Now, what we need to talk about next is a proper kind of motion to dismiss written in 2014 by Deborah A. Sleeton Vandersloot, who states that they are Jorn Vandersloot's wife and writes a motion in proper to dismiss this indictment. But we also have a sponsor. So we're going to thank them real quick. Sometimes it's inevitable that you will be out and about needing to get on Wi-Fi when you're not at home, but you have to make sure that your private information isn't just scattering across the internet all willy-nilly. And that is where our sponsor NordVPN comes in to encrypt your data as it leaves your device onto the interwebs. You can use Nord on up to six 
devices. So it's perfect for summer travel for the entire family. And while sometimes best practices like not clicking that random link aren't enough to help, NordVPN is there to prevent things like man-in-the-middle attacks where people are skimming your private data off of public Wi-Fi. And Nord isn't keeping logs of what you do, so your data is not only encrypted, but it also remains private on all sides of it. And Nord doesn't slow down your use of Wi-Fi. So if you are ready for an incredible deal, head to nordvpn.com slash emilydbaker or use code emilydbaker at nordvpn.com to get an exclusive deal. It's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All right, let's get back to today's episode. Yes, you heard me correctly. That someone purporting to be Vander Sloot's wife in 2014 filed a motion to dismiss improper. It is a handwritten motion, and we are going to go through what this motion has to say. Because I have not seen this covered, and um, I didn't know it existed until I went digging around court files. I love court files. Hand written motion to dismiss indictment without prejudice. Just as a reminder, without prejudice means it can be filed again. You want to, if you want a dismissal, you want it with prejudice so it can't be filed again. But this is a, a handwritten motion to dismiss indictment without prejudice. And if you're sitting here going, but Emily, I thought if you're in pro per, it meant you were representing yourself. That's correct. That's correct. You can't improper represent somebody else that's practicing law without a license or at least attempting to because a pro per defense is by the defendant, not their supposed wife. I've never seen this. So let's take a look. Shall we? It's got a header. United States of America versus Joran Andres Petrus Vandersloot, also known as Joran Vandersloot. I, Deborah A. Sleeton, S-L-E-T-T-E-N, hyphen Vandersloot, also known as Deborah A. Sleeton, do hereby depose and say that I am the spouse of, of, it says of twice. I'm not misreading. I often do, but I'm not this time. I'm, trying to read this exactly. Of, of, Joran Andres Petrus Vandersloot, a certified copy of Domestic Partnership, marked as Exhibit A, is attached. Oh, we're going to look at that too. Furthermore, that the monies offered by Beth Holloway to anyone for information, and that she entered into a contractual agreement with Joran Vandersloot about, were believed to be bona fide, and for her relief, that she had proper legal counsel, but did nothing to obtain her relief by actually looking where he said to look. Y'all, the motion to dismiss starts with this case should essentially be dismissed because Natalie Holloway's mother had a lawyer and they didn't look where Jorn Vandersloot said to go look. Yeah, Th that's the first paragraph. I cannot even. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading, shall we? Let's keep going. This is, this is all about blaming Beth Holloway in this letter, which is wild shit. It goes on to say that Beth Holloway and her attorney lied when they said Jorn Vandersloot was lying. Because to this date, no one has looked for the remains of Natalie, spelled wrong, Holloway, in said disclosed location. Your Honor, it's not fraud or extortion. They never looked there. Therefore, it is not known to Beth Holloway, her attorney, or the people of Alabama if anyone other than Beth Holloway has lied. It then goes on to say, and that count one of the above entitled indictment should be dismissed without prejudice. With prejudice is what you want. 
that Beth Holloway may pursue the truth and her relief by looking under the structure subsequently built upon the site disclosed by Jorn Vandersloot in good faith as pertaining to the contractual agreement referred to in the indictment. Your Honor, under the contract, they should tear down the house and look under the foundation. It goes on to say, and that count two of the above entitled indictment should be dismissed without prejudice until there is proof of a lie on the part of Jorn Vandersloot. Unless a lie on his part can be proved, there is not an act of extortion or wire fraud. I will just note that in the indictment, they do say there is an email where Vandersloot refers to the information that he gave to Holloway's attorney as worthless. But that aside, let's keep going. I think she's admitting that Jorn Vandersloot disclosed the location because he knew where she was because he killed her. I think that's what this is saying. You, you tell me how you interpret this. It goes on to, I, you know, last week, just gonna, we're gonna have a sidebar for a second. Last week, I thought one of the craziest things I had ever seen might be the burn after reading letter. I was like, this letter is something else. And here we are this week. I'm going to stop putting absolutes on things because there's always something else in what I cover. You know, when I first told Dr. B, I wanted to cover things that were kind of in the pop culture, pop culture, reality TV, things that were culturally relevant, sometimes criminal cases, but things that we were going to be talking about in the culture. This is a case we are going to be talking about. This case gripped us for years. We are going to be talking about this case more um, this week and the coming weeks. I didn't assume we would get to things like this, to handwritten, maybe confessions, but they didn't tear down the house to look. So how do you know he's lying? Don't believe the email. It gets worse. It, it gets worse gets worse. Just next paragraph, y'all. Hang with me. Furthermore, Joran Vandersloot disclosed all of his life to me in the moment of our marital consummation. I know it was his father who slew S-L-E-W slew not killed, not murdered, slew. I knew it was his father who slew Natalie Holloway for what reasons are not known. Paulsus Vandersloot confessed to Joran Vandersloot that he dug a pit and burnt the remains of Natalie Holloway and then buried the pit. The location of this site was disclosed by Joran Vandersloot to Beth Holloway by way of her attorney in compliance with said contractual agreement. What the fuck is in this motion? This is not a motion to dismiss, but it sure the fuck is something. It's not done yet. And that Joran Vandersloot was a minor child living at home with his parents at the time and place of the incident his father described as an accident to him. That his father expected him to be silent and that within 40 days of his father's passing, Joran tried to relieve himself, his family, and Beth Holloway by entering into said contractual agreement. She literally said, he told me all of this when we consummated our marriage and that within 40 days of his father's passing, tried to unburden himself to the tune of, you know, $250,000. So Deborah Vandersloot files this in Popria persona, which is not lawful law or how any of this works, but we're not done yet. This is dated the 6th day of November 2014. By the way, Jorn Vandersloot has since married someone else, had a child, and is now apparently getting divorced. So there's that. Exhibit A is a certified copy of domestic partnership attached. So we're in it now. So we're going to keep going. This is a limited power of attorney between Deborah Sleeton 
to Jorn Vandersloot, but it, it's a limited power of attorney. It's not a, it's not a, uh, okay. I, Deborah A. Sleeton, hereby appoint Jorn Vandersloot as my true and lawful attorney in fact to act in my name and for my support and benefit for the following specific purpose and no other. To execute the terms of the first agreement between them dated December 4th, 2013, copy attached, and all other agreements as agreed to by both parties to honor my desire to refuse emergency medical treatment and all other medical is refused. So, Deborah in Jackson County, Oregon, has given limited medical power of attorney to Jorn Vandersloot, who at this time in 2014 is in custody in Peru. It's signed by Deborah. It's signed by a notary on July 14th, um, or sorry, on September 3rd, 2014. And then there's another page between Deborah and Jorn Vandersloot, who is currently in Lima, Peru, it says. In exchange for a lifetime of partnership, this is the agreement, by the way. In exchange for a lifetime partnership of 50% ownership of the literary and art and musical works of Deborah and entitlement to 50% of all net profits generated. And the second party, for and in consideration of the covenants herein contained on the part of the first party hereby covenants, your and AP Vandersloot shall give Deborah Sleeton anonymity by putting his name on the piece of work and will manage, market, and or develop each piece of work with the intent to generate net profits. Signed by Deborah. Uh, notarized by Deborah. Here's the thing. There is a photocopied page that looks like it's actually signed by Jorn Vandersloot with a fingerprint on it. Uh-huh. And apparently there's a book that she was a part of. So there is a book supposedly published by Jorn Vandersloot. And it says Jorn Vandersloot hyphen Sleeton, which is Deborah's last name. That was published in June of 2015 called Just Stuff Scarlet Whore. It's on Amazon. I think this is um, what she's referencing in the contract that's attached to the legal filing. Because when we take a look at this book, it is under Jorn Vandersoot Sleeton, which is her last name. Um. It says in the description, now that many liars have had their say, this book should shut them up. I encourage Jorn to sue for slander anyone with a degree who called him a psychopath. So, I did not know anything about this person. There are no reviews on the book. I hope nobody reviews the book or reads the book or buys the book. I have no idea where the proceeds from this book are going. But, that, because I had to know, once I saw the contract for proceeds from a book, I was I was too curious and I had to share that with you because, well, it's the Emily Show podcast and sometimes my rabbit holes are your rabbit holes. But I need to tell you what the court did with this motion so we can have some closure before this extradition happens. This court filed a response to that motion four days later with a swiftness and said, Order. The court has before it motions by Deborah A. Sleeton Vandersloot, filed purportedly on behalf of the defendant seeking leave to file a motion in forma purpuris uh, without the payment of fees and to dismiss the indictment. Because there is no docket fee applicable in motions in a criminal case, the motion for in forma purpuris, which is not to pay fees, um, filing status is moot because. Because Deborah A. Sleeton Vandersloot is not an attorney or a member of the bar of this court, she is not authorized to file matters in behalf of the defendant. According to the motion to dismiss, the indictment is stricken. 
So this is not part of the legal record, but it is part of the record because it was filed. It can't be considered by the court. No action will be taken on it, but we got to take a look at what was said. It seems that there is a signed and fingerprinted notary from Jorn Vandersloot to Deborah Sleeton about proceeds from a book. It's wild to me. Um, Vandersloot has since gotten married to someone else in custody and again had a child with that individual, not this individual. But these 2014 filings are wild. I can't imagine the additional anguish that filings like this um, would have for Holloway's family. It's wild. Absolutely wild. Absolutely wild stuff. So with all of that, uh, Jorn Vandersloot will be back on U.S. soil. Well, I don't know if back's the correct word because he was in Aruba. Jorn Vandersloot will be in the United States to appear before the court. I imagine that we will see this somewhat drawn out, even though it seems that it was a uh, FBI uh, wire operation where they have substantially well-documented everything. I imagine the goal for Vandersloot will be to delay this um, to stay in the United States as long as possible. We'll see if he says anything about Natalie Holloway, about what happened. Um, and then there's a big question about whether, well, if Aruba would even prosecute him because that crime happened on uh, their soil, not U.S. soil, and what they would do with that after everything that happened in that investigation. So there's a lot to come in this case. I want to know your questions about it. I am going to be following this extradition and what's happening with the extortion prosecution. It is like offensive to my core that he would extort Natalie Holloway's mother. I had followed the disappearance and not any of this. So I was pretty surprised. I don't know if any of you have been following this. Let me know if you remember the original disappearance. Um, if you followed this case, if you knew about this portion of this case, if you're following the extradition, if you have questions about the extradition. So will the U.S. be able to prosecute him for anything past the extortion and the wire fraud? Probably not. Will they be able to perhaps get information about what happened with Natalie Holloway? Maybe. Could he get extradited to Aruba to be prosecuted if there's new information? Possibly. I just don't know if, if that will happen in this case. I really don't. Um, but I hope, at least with this extradition, I hope with this part there's some closure to the Holloway family and that they are able to um, to close the door on this really, really awful extortion. I, I can't even imagine how heartbreaking all of this has been for them. And the added insult of never really having anything beyond suspicions of how their daughter died. and then having someone have the audacity to try to extort them to give them that closure. It's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Before we finish this episode, a quick update. On Tuesday, June 6th, statements are coming out from Jorn Vandersloot's lawyer in Peru. His defense attorney, Maximo Altez, announced the decision of Vandersloot hours after the Peruvian government confirmed the extradition would take place on Thursday. The attorney said Vandersloot reversed course following a meeting with Dutch diplomats. He is now going to fight the extradition. Quote, he does not want to be extradited to the United States of America, the attorney said, adding that he intends to file a writ of habeas corpus. He was visited today by his embassy representatives who made him see the mistake he was making by being extradited without due process. The attorney said that Vandersloot was never notified of an open extradition process, and as a result, he was not able to challenge it. Less than a week ago, the attorney said his client explained in a letter that he did not plan to challenge the extradition. The embassy did not immediately respond to requests for comment from multiple media outlets. The Peruvian foreign ministry said they had not received any complaint from the Netherlands regarding the case. So now 
we have a back and forth about whether or not he is going to try to fight this. Remember, the prison that Jorn Vandersloot was complaining of is not the prison he's currently in in the capital, Lima. He is getting ready to be extradited. He might still be extradited on Thursday, but his attorney is going to file a petition to bring him before the court in Peru because there is a process for him to fight extradition. This might just delay the process. This might all just be a stalling tactic, but the prison that he was having issues with is not where he's currently being housed and not where he would be housed if he fights this in court in Peru. So we will see if anything is filed today or tomorrow that will stop him from being extradited to the United States on Thursday, June 8th. So you're going to have to follow me around the socials as I keep you up to date on this as it is breaking news. All right, now it's time to really say goodbye. With all of that, I'm going to be following this prosecution. Let me know what you think. And if you have any questions on the YouTubes, I will absolutely be answering them because it's always easier there than on the audio. And if you're loving the Emily show, you can go ahead and leave it a review on all of your favorite audio apps. You guys have absolutely kept the podcast doing really well, both on audio and video. And I appreciate you for being law nerds. This one's wild. So I know you guys weren't asking about this case, but come Thursday, everybody's going to be asking about this case. And it's time that we talk about it. I will see you in the next one. But first, raise a glass and say it with me. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your family be well. May your weather feel warm and summery and it lift your soul a little bit. And may the odds be ever in your favor. I will see you in the next one, Lawnard. You can find more Lawnard goodness in our private Lawnard community over at LawnardsUnite.com. And if you want to stay up to date with everything I'm covering, you can follow me on social media at The Emily D. Baker. I stream on YouTube on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I recap those streams for those of you a little pressed for time over on the Quick Bits podcast and Quick Bits YouTube channel. Thanks for being a Lawnard.